Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Ron Martin. Uh, Today is a very special episode. Uh, This is the Ron Martin episode of the Happy Ramp Podcast. We will devote all of the next 45 minutes to uh, one Ronald J. Martin and also Noah's events venue. So... Uh, far be it from me to not devote time to the uh, the business entity that's giving us money to promote them. So, uh, baby, I'm looking at noahseventsvenue.com, which is the website that everyone should go to to book a location for their next event. Uh, I see two very good-looking people dancing in what looks like uh, just a beautifully appointed room for a wedding reception. Wow. Um, l- let me ask you this, baby, since this is the Ron Martin episode. Uh, of the happy rant have you been to noah's event venue.com i have not been to the uh the website but i by the way you're describing it it sounds like i've been missing out on some on some nice features though so maybe maybe i need to get my way baby it's i think you need to make your way to noah's events venue.com it's bonkers baby i'm looking at their locations menu and i'm looking at all the cities in ohio where they have uh event venue locations so i'm gonna read off the names of these cities and i want to know uh, if you've if you've been to them or if you've had any interaction with them, Blue Ash. Have you heard of Blue Ash, Ohio? I have not. Dublin. Yeah, Dublin. I like Dublin. It's a great little town. Ba- Babe, you've been to Dublin. You've been to Dub. Absolutes. Interesting. How hipster is Dublin on on the spectrum? Ten being the most, one being not at all. Oh, I would say it's like a five. Okay, so it's got a little a little hipster. It's a, it's like it. suburb. Okay. It's like uh, suburban in- hipster kind of a vibe. So. Suburban hipster, absolutely. Independence, have you heard of this time? Absolutely, I've done a bunch of retreating in uh, in Indy. Believe it or Baby, not, Baby, you've done retreating in Independence. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. The Denom, this the is Denom does a retreat or did a retreat there for like three or four years. Yep. Outstanding, outstanding. Mentor, uh, no. Okay, yeah, that's a that's a that's a town, and and the last one in Ohio is a city that's. Near and dear to both of us, Big R, and maybe we'll start the uh, the Ron Martin interview here and the, the journey of Ronald J. Martin. Uh, the city is Toledo. Oh. And uh, it, again, if you need uh, a space for a church service, a wedding, uh, a corporate event, or even a retreat, uh, visit noahseventsvenue.com, noahseventsvenue.com. They will get you all squared <coughs> away. Uh, meeting spaces that you can, um, on, a, on a hipster spectrum of 1 to 10, you can make them a 10. Uh, or you can make them a one, depending on your level of hipsterness. They have uh, Apple TVs. They have audiovisual equipment. Uh, everything that you would need for a great event. And baby, does the do, does me saying out loud the city Toledo bring back any particular memories for you? Um, I, I almost feel like I need a minute to like just regroup because the nostalgia <laughs> just let it sink the in. The nostalgia yeah, is just thick it. as mud right now for me. And and maybe you can tell our it's audience so thick. why you could cut it with a knife. Yeah, absolutely. So. Baby, I want to I want to talk about how we met. So this is a this is a crazy thing. So I was living in Lansing, Michigan. You were living in uh, a town where you currently live, Ashland, Ohio. And I think you reached out to me after you read one of the KDY books, right? Or both of the KDY books? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, after I read, uh, it might have been Emergent. Yeah. Yeah. So you reached out to me after Emergent. Um, I hit you back because I was kind of intrigued by your background, and uh, we decided to do a thing that I think is probably a little out of character for both of us, um, which is meet up halfway. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure I was in a station of life where I wasn't necessarily like 
Do you ever have that feeling, baby, where you're just kind of like booked up friend wise and you're not really looking for, for new things? Right. Um, I, I'm probably, maybe I'm in that space now, but I was, I was probably in that space then, but, uh, we decided to meet up halfway between Ashland and Lansing and we met at a cracker barrel off the highway. Um, we met, you got a veggie plate. I got, uh, probably something beige <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And we talked, we connected at the Cracker Barrel, and uh, baby, it's been a nonstop rocket ship of just lucrative ideas ever oh since. So why, yeah. why, don't you tell, why don't you tell them about uh, our first venture together, which came before any of the books, any of the, any of the decadence, even Toledo, before Toledo. What, uh, what was the first Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, our first venture, and maybe some of you out there actually heard it. But it was a precursor, sort of a prototype of what we're doing here on The Rat. And it was a radio show right. that we're able to do in Fort Wayne um, at, at, mm. a, at an actual radio station. Um, and, it was, uh-huh. uh, and the show was called The Reformatory. And so what would happen is, baby, uh, me and you would meet up once a month in the beautiful metropolitan yeah. city of, uh, of Toledo. And uh, we would... No, baby, it wasn't Toledo. Where was it? Oh, I'm sorry. It was Fort Wayne. It was Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes, it was the Manhattan of the of the, Northeast Indiana. The Manhattan of Northeast Indiana, as we like to refer to it. So we'd meet up in the we'd meet up in Fort Wayne. We'd get we'd get our uh, we'd get our hotel at the luscious and elegant, decadent uh, Hyatt place, and then we would uh, gosh the energy. Oh in that town, my baby. gosh! I mean, Unbelievable. we would well, we would spe- so what we would do is we would uh, we would use the night before to go out on the town to do a little pre show prep. Um, that's back when we actually yep. did pre show prep. And by out on the town, we mean places that we could walk to from our hotel. Exactly. So there were two places. <laughs> there was a there was a Zestos, which if you're not familiar with the the Greater Fort Wayne metropolitan area, Zestos is a just a charming little ice cream stand uh, near the Hyatt Place. So again, if you're a Fort Wayne resident, this is near and dear to your heart. And then the other direction out the front of the hotel was a really really nice movie theater. Um, and baby, I can't, I can't count the number of movies that you and I took in together. Oh, it's endless. Um, in, in Fort Wayne, man, we just burned that town. Oh, to the ground. it was incredible. You know? and, then, and then we'd, uh, we'd wake up bright and early and we'd, uh, we'd head to the yeah. radio station and we'd, uh, we'd record some magic. Mm. I mean, it was really that simple. We do some work. We do some work. Yeah. We do some radio work. Yeah. Baby, as you look, as you look back on that experience, don't you think it's one of the greatest scams of all time that we got them to like compass a hotel room and some meals to basically do what we do now via Skype, which is to sit in a room and talk to each other. Well, yeah, because again, I mean, a little background, right? I mean, so the station, I mean, the kind of shows that they featured on the station were super like teen oriented and they were sort of like these outreach Mm -hmm. programs for like troubled teens. And so we would, yeah, it was like Jenny eat something or like, don't, don't cut your arm. It was super like after, it was super after school special of like, of like radio shows, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would come right. on there, and um, all we wanted to do was talk about, you know, sort of the new reform movement and everything that, like, you know, Kevin DeYoung was doing and everything, you know, that's going on at TGC. <laughs> and I mean, dude, you got these, you got these dudes that are recording us, wondering like, what are they talking about? Like, what are they going off on? Who's this guy Driscoll? They keep like, you know, riffing about. And um, oh, exactly. Yeah, and uh, it was really, but baby, one of my one of my favorite recollections of that experience doing radio <laughs> in Fort Wayne. What, what one of my favorite memories was how dark the studio was. Do you remember that? Like we were sitting across from one another at a table, and I could barely see. Yeah, you. I, I still. I it still was like have that no, Lionel Richie video where <laughs> I still have no recollection where the, of what where you the girl like. is blind. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, hello, is it me you're looking exactly. for? You know, that yeah, there's thing. like There's like fog kind of like j- drifting through the studio in the dark. And so at some point exactly. you would emerge through exactly. the doorway and find your place. <laughs> exactly. Baby, I know that our listeners love, they, they love like kind of insider industry stories. And they love to hear uh, all about the glamorous lives that we lead. So if you could it, just briefly let them know how we got from our humble beginnings in Fort Wayne to Toledo. Because I, I think everybody listening wants to know. How, how do I get to Toledo? If I've made it there, I can make it anywhere. Absolutely. And you and I made it in Toledo. Um, how, how do we get from Fort Wayne to Toledo? Because this is a this is a glamorous industry story. If there ever was one, I mean, I I'll just say it how I remember it, baby. And you can you can kind of in in you know just let let your own recollections just sort of pervade the story. But uh, yeah, but I, I just remember that, you know, every time we got together, we came up with approximately nine different uh, book ideas. And yeah. uh, we we actually had I think we had sent a couple in we had done a couple of proposals. And, um, mm-hmm. and they, we thought they were good, but they didn't quite catch the interest of, um, yep. of, of any publisher. And then um, we had this <laughs> of anyone in the world <laughs> of anyone yeah. in the entire world, and this was on the heels right. of like Rob Bell's, um, you know, infamous travesty. You know, um, yeah. Love Wins, yeah. and so we were kind of one. We're right, exactly all, all, wins, all yeah. of them, but Love Wins most specifically. Uh-huh. And then we came up with this idea called uh, "When Believers Don't Believe." And, yes, uh, dude. Yeah. That was the original title. Was the original I haven't thought title. about that in years. That was such a oh, good it was a one. great title. Such a good title. Yeah, and so we, we yeah. pitched it. It caught some interest. And then we, we had a uh, we got a book deal together, baby. And that's how that's what led Ooh. us to uh, to Leeds. But maybe you can kind of riff on like how, how that changed into the book that it became. Yeah, to Leeds was unbelievable, man. That was glamorous. And and um in <laughs> In reality, Ron, and I, I don't like to be this raw and vulnerable with the audience, but I'm going to do it. In reality, we probably paid our own way to Toledo, but in my memory, the publisher paid for that, <laughs> and they put us up. And and we had a decadent couple of nights in Toledo, just uh, just chopping it up as artists, oh, you know, just digging, digging deep into this book. I remember we went to a couple of coffee shops and worked, but really the... The, the the apex mountain of that Toledo trip for me was walking around downtown one evening, just taking in the energy of that town, just the madness, the you madness know, the and the sights, magic. the sounds, the madness and the magic, the colors, um, the diversity in that oh, town, unbelievable. Yeah, so unbelievable. yeah, I mean we're we're walking around just breathing in this rich tapestry of Toledo, and uh, a gentleman approached us, and he said, "Are you guys?" Um, the, the the radio personalities from the huge hit show the reformatory that I've been hearing about because everywhere I go in Toledo, um, it's all a buzz. It's all anyone's talking yeah, about. Was... Um, and 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 we said why yes why yes we are how sweet of you to say. Um, and he offered us two like ground level box seats right along the first base line uh, to see the the. I think it's the Yankees AAA affiliate. In my mind's eye, it's the Yankees AAA affiliate, the Toledo Mudhens. Absolutely. I'm sure I'll get well actually to high heaven. I'll, I'll go with Yankee. That, I'll go with Yankees AAA farm team. I'm good with that. Let's go with that, baby, for the purposes of this conversation. And you and I took in a Toledo Mudhens game, like gentlemen, and I just thought, 
wow, this thing is a rocket ship. You know, today, Toledo, where are we going next? It was like, I felt like, I mean, I remember at one point practically sitting on your lap in those very tightly confined (laughs) box seats. And I remember looking over at you saying, I don't, I'm almost depressed because I don't know where else Mm -hmm. we can go after this. Right. Pinch me. Is this real? And it will be easy to pinch me because you're nearly in my lap. It would be easy to pinch you. you. All I had to do was move my finger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a tiny bit. Exactly. So, I mean, so exactly. there was just sort of that sense of like, I don't, man, this happened so quickly. And now help me, Big mm-hmm. T, because I feel like I, I, I feel like I, you, you need to you need to sort of, you know, get my emotions. You need to box them up because I feel like there's, there's yes. no place for them to go now. Because when you've arrived at a destination mm. much faster than mm. you thought you would, you just feel like. Right. There, there's there's nowhere else to go. There's no place to move. No All that fame at such a young age for us. I know. You know, how do you deal with it? You know, if only we, if we'd known then what we know now. Absolutely. And uh, I, I want to tell another story of a thing that happened on that trip that really, I think, solidified our friendship and took it to a deeper level. So uh, <coughs> one of our, one of our mutually favorite things to do when we travel, and we discovered this early on, is to go to like... Whatever, whatever used bookstore, whatever used media store there is in that metro area and peruse it. And we were at a place like this, um, you know, some kind of used book and record store or whatever. And we were looking around and they had a bin of bargain DVDs. And I didn't... Oh, wow. Did you hear that, baby? Yeah. In my yeah, studio? Yeah. Baby, that's the sound of my new cat. We got a new kitty so cat, So did we. Man. And, we just got uh, one two weeks did ago. Did you really? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Dude, congrats. We got one like a month ago. Oh, it's my incredible. Gosh. I love this cat. Yeah, dude. we got a great cat. But she yeah. just jumped up on my desk and like knocked a bunch You know what, though? It sounded good because okay. right when you said it, it kind of built up into this momentum. So I liked it. Yeah. No, it's really cute when she does that, man. I like it. It's my favorite. But, uh, dude, tell me about your new cat before I get back into the story. Like, what, what's yeah, the deal? Yeah, so we, uh, man, we've been, we've been looking, we've always dreamed of having a, a Maine Coon, which is a, like a type of cat. It, 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 they're these yeah. big dudes. They're really big and they're uh-huh. really friendly. And so we found yeah. one at a shelter. It was an older couple that just couldn't take care of it anymore. And so we just happened uh. to be right place, right time. And we got this. These cats are usually like $1,500. We got it for almost nothing. Took it home. He took about a week to uh, acclimate. And dude, he's like the best cat of all time. Dude, that's incredible. Yeah, we're stoked. Yeah, we had a we had a similar story, man. We uh, we got a kitten. She was like three weeks old. Um, got her from a, a girl in our church who had planned to like take her to college and smuggle her into the dorm. Wow. Uh, but but she got busted, and then um, she said, "Does anybody want this cat?" And we uh, <clears throat> we jumped on it, man. She's super affectionate, great kitty. Um, loving that, man. Loving it. And and I, I finally came to a place like grief wise where I could yeah, uh, you could receive her. You know, I could. I could receive her. I could open. You my could heart love again, Big like T. That. You could love so, again. I could. I could love again. I learned to love again. You and know? you know what? Can um, I just? Can I just add something really quick, man? It it takes a certain oh, baby. Of course, this is your. It show. takes a certain con. And now that we don't have pipe on here, we can talk a little more freely if we're being honest. Um, Dude, we can be a little more sentimental. Absolutely. Can't we? So, and what yeah. I want to say is, it, it takes it takes a certain kind of man with a certain level of heart and security to embrace a cat. Oh, dude, expound on that because I totally agree, but I've never thought about it in those well, because terms. Because I feel like when, I feel like people that have dogs, it's like they're trying to assert some level of control because you can't control mm-hmm. a dog. And so there's, no, you there's something interesting about that. Whereas what we're trying to say is, no, mm-hmm. we're bringing in an animal of which you have to earn their affection. And mm-hmm. we're okay mm-hmm. with just letting them do their own thing. 
we don't have to control Dude, their absolutely. world. Absolutely. Right? Am I wrong? I enjoy the I enjoy the dance. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I absolutely. enjoy the the sort of Yeah, just the, the, the dynamic of um you know, her not always being there and her not always being available. But when when she is there, like just like totally enjoying Absolutely. It, enjoying like when you're moment. a cat owner, what you're essentially saying to your animal is, Hey, you do you. You do you. You do you. We're gonna give you like an amazing environment to like just roam around and, and be comfortable and, uh, and and receive love, but you do yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. It's a, and uh, whenever we're a part of that, we'll, we'll be It's thankful. an upper middle class yeah. existence for us. Yeah, it really is, man. It's it's elegant. The cat is elegant. The cat is Ron. an elegant beast. It, he's a noble beast is what he is. He's an elegant, noble beast. And when when the cat's in the house, I never feel like... <clears throat> Oh, I've got this. I got this animal in the house. This is unnatural. Like it's 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 dirty. It's bringing in whatever. Like there's never that conversation. No, it's you it's know, like it's, the cat is just. Yeah, it's almost like it's it's just it's like it, it almost just complements like the furniture and just yes, yes, dude. I mean, it's like it's like something that actually it almost like it almost like adds value to what you've already established as the environment of the home. Am I wrong, baby? You know what it is. No, you're not wrong. You're 100 percent right. The cat is like a. The cat's like a painting that moves yes. around. You know what I mean? She's like a piece yes. of art that, that can walk around. Yes. You know, just a beautifully and wonderfully made, it's, man. Yeah, it's a creatures. more elegant beast for some very, very, uh, some very vicious times that we live in, you know? Oh, dude, we live in such vicious mm. times, man. And the world is so nasty. And I just look at the cat and I think she's unsullied by those things. Precise. You know what I mean? Precise. She's unsullied. Like she's not a thing that I need to control. Like I don't need to exert my. And and I really think you're onto something with the whole like. And this is not to bag on dog owners. You know, dog owners are great. My my parents have a dog. I love their dog very much. But um, but yeah, there's kind of a need to control there. And um, you know, I I think some dog owners are are akin to like the kinds of guys who like buy gigantic trucks, but they don't do any like actual manual labor. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you got to you, you got to show the world something with this. With yeah, this it's huge almost truck. like a uh, when you get a dog, it's like you're saying, "No, I need another status symbol in my life. I, I need I need yeah, to show the yeah. world that I'm powerful and I have strength. I'm powerful. I'm in charge of something. I have strength. And when you get so a cat, you're saying to the world, um, "I believe that there's beauty and art in the world, and I want to celebrate that. That's what a cat. I want to celebrate it, and I'm going to enjoy. I want to enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to enjoy." Baby, I'm so glad we had this I conversation. I know, me too. I feel great. Cats. I feel even better about my, my new cat. I do too. I feel encouraged. And uh, and I'm glad my cat <coughs> hopped up on my desk and is knocking a bunch of things off of it right now. So uh, so if you hear anything along those lines in the background, that's what it is. And uh, far from being annoyed by yeah. it, I am celebrating. You're celebrating it because you uh, now live in elegant society. That's it, man. <laughs> I, wel- welcome to elegant society. You know, uh, I feel like I've been here all my life. I love it. Uh, baby, but speaking of elegant society, I want to speak of the most elegant place, uh, which is Toledo, Toledo, Ohio. And a thing that happened when we were in Toledo. So we're at this used media place browsing. I didn't know you super well yet at that time. Um, and I was browsing a, a, a bargain bin of DVDs. These were DVDs for like a dollar. Yeah. And whenever I'm in a, in a position to acquire DVDs in this way, I always do it. Even if it's like a movie that I'm kind of met about or on the fence about if, if I could ever imagine liking it, uh, I will, I will get it in this context. So I'm looking through these DVDs and I run across the DVD for a movie called Rocky Balboa. Mm. And if, if, 
anyone who's been a listener to this program for a long time, they know that I'm a huge fan of the Rocky franchise. Uh, I ride with the Rocky franchise. Um, huge fan of these movies. And I had not yet seen, or I had seen Rocky Balboa. I'd seen it in the theater and it was okay. You know, it, it exceeded my expectations, which to be fair, were really low, but like I wanted it in, in my collection. Like I just wanted to round out at that time, my Rocky collection. So I'm going to buy this, but then I had a little catch baby in my spirit. Because I thought, you know, Ronnie was in the music industry. He's this, like, ethereal, like, hipster figure. He probably hates movies like this. Like, he's probably going to mock me for buying Rocky Balboa. And that wasn't going to stop me from buying it. But I, but I just had the thought, this is probably beneath him. He probably watches, like, Tree of Life and pretends to get it, you know. <laughs> uh, he's probably a fan of Terry Malick. Terry's work. Uh, Terry's a lovely man. What a man. lovely what man, a lovely though, man. Terry. Yeah, just a, lo- just a wonderful man. Um, so I pick up Rocky Balboa and I, I walk it up to the counter and I said to you, I said, baby, I don't suppose there's any, there's any way you would want to watch this with me tonight. And you said, what did you say? I said, baby, are you kidding? That was literally one of my favorite movies of the year. Comeback of the Mm. decade for Sylvester. I loved Rocky Balboa. Loved it. Oh, Baby, I feel like that opened up our friendship in a way, in amazing ways because, uh, you know, that touched off this conversation that's really been going on for about a decade about sports yeah, films between yeah. us. And even though you, you like to bluster about uh, how much you hate sports and how little you care about sports, which is a true statement on one hand. It like, is. Yeah. Um, when it, yeah, when it comes to, like, local team, you know, Cleveland sports, whatever, you could care less. But, uh, but you are a fan. You are an aficionado. You are a... A resident expert on sports movies, so um, I want to, I want to walk through with the time we have left. We have about twenty minutes left. Um, I want to walk through your top five sports movies, baby, and they don't have to be in any particular order. But I just want you to lay a movie on us, some analysis, uh, why you love it, what makes a great sports movie. Uh, let's go top five Ron Martin sports. Yeah, movies. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, time. and I and I and I know that there's a lot of uh, there's there's some uh, there's some measure of uh, paradox there. With I I don't I don't uh-huh. watch live sports. I have no interest in it. But anytime a sports movie comes out, it really tugs at my strings, and it's because I mm-hmm. love I love underdogness. Like I love underdog mm-hmm. culture, and all sports movies are mm-hmm. underdog mm-hmm. culture. Come to the big screen. They sure they are. are. And so I love that. Baby, you're like a cat. You're a little mysterious in these paradoxes. You know? So to start out, why don't we start out with what I think might be my favorite sports movie. Again, not in order, but and I just I just watched this about a month ago and it felt like it felt very like apropos for the season. And that, of course, is a a Gene Hackman vehicle called Hoosiers. Mm. Oh, baby, I love Hoosiers. It's so good. It's so good. Hoosiers is one of my favorite atmosphere. Oh, it's amazing. Like to me. Fall and winter in Indiana in like corn country, the cornfields yeah. where I grew up. Uh, Hoosiers just immediately takes me back there. Incredible Gene Hackman, oh, one of his maybe his best performance in my opinion. Um, I, I just because he he showed so much heart. Hackman always plays these characters that are like you're not sure if they're good guys or bad guys. Most of the time they're bad guys. And he came and he played this character, just this guy in his fifties that had just kind of made a bit of a mess out of his life because of his temper and coaching an old, uh, you know, a prior like college basketball team that he had coached. And, and um, man, he, he'd, just, he'd just come out of the Navy, just retired from the Navy. He didn't have anything going on in life. And this friend of his that was the principal of a small Indiana school invites him in to be the high school 
basketball coach. He accepts the job. He comes in, and the whole movie is just literal magic. It's magic. Mm. And um, not only that, it totally but is. The soundtrack is beautiful. Um, you know, so like, just yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll just listen to the soundtrack while I'm while I'm working on stuff. You know, and um, yeah, absolutely. it's just such a classic. It's the ultimate underdog story, and it's it's based on a true story. So yeah, it sure is, baby. And uh, yeah, I love Hackman's characters. They're all like they're always broken absolutely. in some way. You yeah. know what I mean? They're always broken. Uh, it's very real. The character arc, a lot of regret there, a lot, a lot of, of regret. Yes, Hackman. and I love the regret, yeah. but a lot of. Yeah, I love the regret, but I love the redemption that takes place. Let me ask you this about Hoosiers, baby. Who's your favorite player on the Hickory basketball team who's not Jimmy Chitwood? (laughs) So if you take Jimmy Chitwood, the superstar, off the table, like who's your who's your second favorite player on Hickory's basketball team? Yeah, I really liked uh, I really liked the uh, the son of the the pastor, the pastor's son. Every, oh yes, yeah, strap. strap. Every the the kid that's always yeah. Every time they would like every time they would like break, he would like have to like wait. Because he would be yeah. praying, fellow man of the cloth, yeah, baby. You feel a connection. Yeah, to so him. I thought that was as I thought a, that was really interesting. Because I don't know that you would see that in a movie in 2018 anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. That was vulnerable for them to like put that in there. You know, dude, it was super vulnerable. Yeah, you couldn't have that in a movie. I in wonder. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I think it, it it would not fly. It would not hold yeah. up. Um, Strap would have to be like a like an ecumenical sort of unitarian totally. in 2018. <laughs> totally, man. Where, right. Strap would be like, you know, he'd be like kneeling on a prayer rug in one scene right. and then holding a like copy of like Love Wins in his other hand and like, you know, holding a copy of watching Love the Wins. Oprah channel. Yeah, he'd, he'd have, yeah, exactly. Uh, he'd have to be juggling a lot of different perspectives. <laughs> exactly. In so tip of the cap to you, Strap, wherever you yeah. are. Uh, yeah. Our second favorite character in Hoosiers. So, baby, walk me through another. Story. Yeah. So um, one of my faves five. besides Hoosiers um, next on the list, I would say is. Uh, Robert Redford in 1984's The Natural. Mm. Mm. And that to me it's is, incredible man, film. it's a lot. It, share, it shares some similarities to Hoosiers in that it's, it's a little bit earlier time-wise, but it's still like, you know, 60, 70 years ago. It's that era of, of American sports when it was, you know, it was very glamorous. It was very pure. And, um, Dude, and yeah. It, it kinda, men dressed up to go to the ball. Men park. dressed up in suits. You know, they wore fedoras. They wore suits. Always wore yeah. suits. Yeah. Always wore those caps. It was kind of like, you know, during like the war eras, it was kind of the foundational, you know, kind of component for American families to hope and believe again, you know? Yeah. And uh, in Redford, oh my gosh, man, just talk about like a tale of total and utter regret. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Why are those characters so interesting to us? But they are. I mean, those, those characters, characters like that never get old for me. What's the what's the appeal? Because I think we just I think we just um, we find ourselves in them. And I think, you know, something mm-hmm. about being in the faith um, as opposed to the as opposed to just, you know, being somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Christ is that you can actually be honest about about your regrets. You can say, no, no, no I do have regrets. Yeah. I do have regrets. And unlike the world that says, but I wouldn't do it any differently. You can say, no, 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 no. I would do it a lot. Differently. I totally would do it. Differently. Yeah, there's like yeah, I got like yeah, a laundry absolutely. list of things I would do differently if I would have been more sanctified back then, or if I would have known the Lord. And so I think all that's good. And then so it allows us to really see ourselves in these characters, and then it makes sort of the redemptive part of what they go through that much more real for us. I think. Mm. You know? No, I completely agree, man. That's a great point, and I think. Yeah, for those of us who do know Christ, there's great uh, there's great freedom and encouragement in that. We don't have to be, um, you know, bound or, or broken by our yeah. regrets like these guys are. And re- really, all all great dramas at some level are 
you know, the world trying to figure out a secular theology of what constitutes a good life, right? So, I mean, it's all these guys trying to like redeem themselves or sort of work their way into into some kind of peace in their in their spirits but uh it's it makes for a fascinating story yeah and uh, uh baby what else what um else? i think or you, you can uh, say whatever no you not at all I, I was gonna i was gonna world. say there was something yeah. about um there's redford's character in the natural as being kind of this guy that had his chance he blew it he's a little bit older mm-hmm. now it was uh it was kind of reminiscent of a, a movie i might mention in a minute but of one tom cruise and jerry Maguire, even though that was a he you know Mm. Uh, Tom wasn't an actual, uh, you know, sports star in the movie. He was a, you know, he was an agent. But there was something about, yeah. I, there was something I loved about Redford. It was like that you, this whole part of his history in the movie that that they don't show, and so you're just wondering yeah. what happened because they leave it out. He just returns later when he's like, you know, pushing forty or whatever he was, you know, and maybe not to wax too like theological, but don't you think that and connecting with that and liking that is reflective of. The fact that we're created in God's image, right? So yeah. for me, for a movie to be really good, it's got to be almost equal parts total depravity and created in God's yeah, absolutely. image. Absolutely, that's right? a great point. So the yeah. yeah, the depravity part is all this darkness, all this regret over you know decisions that we've made in the past. But uh, but if that can be balanced by you know a little crackle of hopefulness, a little crackle of uh, of redemption of God's image, then uh, then I think you got a great movie. And you've got a really rewatchable movie, and yeah, Jerry Maguire for me definitely like slides into that into that paradigm really and nicely. I think, um, you know, the, yeah, go ahead. No, just a a guy who was a dirtbag. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was a total dirtbag, used people, um, and then is is kind of redeemed by really being broken by his industry. You know, he gets he gets rejected by yeah. the industry and has to kind of claw yeah. his way back up, doing things in a different. Yeah, and way. I, you know, the thing you know? too is I love like I. And again, I'm not trying to be flippant right now either. I I, I really mean this. Yeah. Um, like I like all sports movies, um, they have to end on that triumphant note. And mm-hmm. I, I'm 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 actually not going to like the movie very much if it doesn't. So there's an expectation sure. for an ending that you know is coming, but that you need you need to happen. You know. And yeah, um, and I think sure. that's what's for so sure. great about it. so the end. You know when he knocks it out of the park in the natural. The end when Hoosiers win the uh, state championship. You know the end of Jerry yep. Maguire when everything. You know he, he gets the deal for uh, for his you know for, for Rod. Rod. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think an- another movie like that. And this this one. I mean, this is at the top of the list for me. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of is in line with Hoosiers, which of course is uh, Kevin Kevin Costner and Field of Dreams. Oh baby, I love Field of Dreams. Uh, there's the father-son yes. redemptive yes. aspect of Field of Dreams, which I find just uh, always compelling. Yes. And, and it's funny, like, I'm at an age now where I, I used to always find it compelling as a son, <coughs> you know, and I would watch that movie and think of my dad. But, you know, now I watch that movie and I think of my kids, you know, and um, it really opens yeah. up, you know, that, that whole story in really interesting ways. And, uh, yeah, that's one that, like, it never gets old. I can rewatch it. Um, even though it's a little bit dated, yeah. it totally holds up. Um, yeah, just a, just a great, simple, redemptive story uh, in Field of Dreams. Now, let me ask you a question, baby. Back to back to the kind of ending that that we look for and that we want in these sports movies, the triumphant moment. Um, how do you reconcile uh, one of my favorite sports movies? This may be the the, the top for me. This may be the peak. Um, Friday Night mm. Lights, beautiful movie. Um, near and dear to my heart because of the, 
you know, the life that I've lived in, in the game of football my whole life. But um, that's one where, you know, the team advances. They're this, this gritty underdog team. They advance to the state championship and they lose uh, like on the last play, mm. right? They, they almost get it done, but they don't get it done. Um, reflective of what happened to them in real life. So it's, it's true to the story. It's true to the book that it was based mm. on. But um, I still love it. I think it's, I think it's the perfect ending. Uh, because there's a really redemptive, triumphant moment for one of the characters that comes out of that loss um, that I think is just yeah. one of the most beautiful movie things of all time. So what, how, do you, how do you reconcile a movie like that that doesn't necessarily deliver that, that triumphant I ending? think, it, yeah, and, and I probably, it was probably too strong to say triumphant in a, in a way, but what I mean mm-hmm. is that you can, I think something can be redemptive without it being a total, you know, vic, you know victorious onslaught, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think um, I think our redemptive moments in our life, a lot of times they can come from when things don't quite work out, but you've moved ahead or you've been able to move through the place to get you to even be able to lose well or to be able to accept yeah. the, the defeat in a way that like you've grown to that place. And so that in and of itself, yeah. I mean, that's the Christian life, right? Where So it's like whether God gives us a victory or he gives us a defeat— uh, redemption comes in because our hearts are prepared to accept either knowing that he's in control. And the other reason mm-hmm. why we can know he's in control is because we're cat owners and we're, we're able to give control yeah. over to, to, to things, right? <laughs> Going back to that. <laughs> to, an, to another exactly. being. Exactly. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, Absolutely. so I, I resonate with that. I resonate with that um, totally. In fact, you could argue, going back to Field of Dreams, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. shocker in Field of Dreams is, wh- is when Ray Liotta's character... At the very end, um, Kevin Costner, he comes up, he comes to this place, he goes, it was you. And then Ray turns and says, no, mm. Ray, it was you. So it was all, it was uh. all about reconciling um, the relationship that he had with his dad and why in the end it wasn't lost, even though his yeah. dad was, was, was gone. And so, it, yeah, it, yeah. it ends yeah. On, a, on, a, on not really a triumphant note, but on a very redemptive, now I can process the loss kind of a note. And yeah. it was, and that's yeah. just, I mean, Absolutely. It was so, I mean, that scene, that is one of them when he says, no, Ray, it was you. I mean, that was one of the most moving yeah. scenes I like I've ever witnessed on film. I mean, that gets me every Dude, yeah, time. It's devastating every time. to me. It's devastating. It's devastating. Yeah. It gets me every time too. And, and for me, like concurrent with that scene, I mean, it may be just seconds after when, when, when Ray looks over and he sees, yes the young version of his father, like take the catcher's mask yeah. off. And he has the moment of recognition. Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh, that's my dad. Um, yeah. And it's just a, it's a freak out. Oh, moment it's unbelievable. Emotionally. It is unbelievable. Uh, one of the greatest, one of the greatest, I mean, it might be the great, I don't know. I mean, it's so up there with all the great moments, you know, dude, it's so up there. It's so up there and it's up there because I think we can all relate to like, you know, wanting to get just one more moment. You know, one more moment with somebody we love, even if the even if the re- relationship wasn't especially broken. Yeah. Um, but just to get that, just to see them in their prime. Yeah. Um, again, not to wax too like theological about the whole thing, but I I think maybe it's a it's a glimpse of what what heaven could be like. Yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. Um, I mean, I yeah. And and baby, I think in the cynical world we live in, people aren't making movies like that anymore. People aren't making movies. No, it doesn't seem that like are that it. earnest. Yeah. And that hopeful anymore. Yeah. I mean, really, everything now is so it's so jaded, or it's a big comic book movie, or whatever, which is a whole different category. Right. But um, but nobody's making these kind of like redemptive 
stories anymore. Well, I think and, uh, I, miss I, I miss it too. And I think part of it is because sentimentality is is kind of viewed as as being a bad word right now. And, um, oh, most and definitely. I, and, most it's definitely. not a bad word to me. So let's uh, let's go to a couple of let's go to a sports movie that uh, sort of a remake that that went really well a couple of years ago, Creed. You know, so again, oh, Sylvester Creed. returning so to the good. Rocky, um, you know, franchise yep. with with a new twist on it, which I thought we both agreed it was really good. Um, it's incredible. a really good movie. Yeah, Creed two is coming out this year. Good, but at the same time, man, there, it it had some sentimentality because that's what Sylvester does these days. But again, when you compare yeah. it with a with a Hoosiers, a Field of Dreams, um, you know, there, there's there's an aspect of it that's you know they they got to keep that in check. They got to keep it in check. Yeah, you know? yeah. Dude, they do. They definitely keep it in check. And I think, I think the magical moment in Creed was almost personal for Sylvester Stallone, mm. and it was Stallone like finally making his peace with being old. Yes, absolutely. And like to me, that was really significant. It was. And it was a really significant like cultural moment too because everybody in our culture is so obsessed with yeah. youth and young and anti-aging yes. this and that and it's like you know Stallone finally sort of you know crying uncle and just saying you know what I'm a broken old man in this movie and <laughs> crying it, uncle it, at it 75 been, years old I can't box anymore <laughs> dude yeah but it, it may have honestly been the greatest Stallone performance oh, of all yeah, time I, you know it was reminiscent of his performance in Rocky 1 you know the first Rocky, yeah. nineteen seventy six, best picture when full he was. Circle. Yeah, he was he was young and vulnerable at that yeah. time. You know what I mean? He was young. He didn't have any money. He was kind of rough around the edges. He was vulnerable. Um, and, and then you had like three decades of jacked, rich, steroidal Stallone, which was kind of boring. Yes. Um, and then you know finally we come full circle and we have another broken Rocky Stallone, Balboa. which is really the best Stallone. Yeah. Yeah, well, Rocky yeah, Balboa, exactly. to me, I mean, there would be no Creed if there wasn't Rocky Balboa. And that's why I think that film yeah. is so significant. Um, that's him battling with the end. You remember, remember his son at some point goes, what are you trying to prove, Pop? Like, what do you like? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, this doesn't make like so his son is coming to him saying like, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Look in the mirror. And there was that reckoning moment between him and his son. And I thought that was such an important scene, which to me kind of led him to being able to do these Creed movies and have those things be be cohesive, you know? Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. So, baby, we've got we've got five minutes yeah. left. Um, and, and not to put, like, too fine a point on this or put you in, in, like, too harsh of a spotlight. So, in light of what you just said about Rocky Balboa, um, and I'll be interested in this, like, both as a friend and as, like, a writer who's getting a little bit older. Like what are you trying to prove? Yeah. Like, are you trying to prove anything right now? And if, if the answer is no, like, are you okay with that? Or is it distressing? Um, what, what are you trying to prove? Wow. That's a great question. Big T. And I actually appreciate you asking yeah. that because I think, yeah. I think that when you get into your forties and you watch movies like Rocky Balboa, um, again, these are men that are you know 25 years older than I am. Um, but yet yeah. with the passing of time, you see how quickly it goes and you see that like, we're going to blink our eyes and we're, we're going to be in those places, in those positions, in those roles. And I think, mm -hmm. I think there is a sense at when you, when you hit middle age where you, you still are trying to prove yourself and you're just starting, mm -hmm. you're just finally starting to ask the question of, of why. And you, you actually yeah. don't want to get caught. And again, as a believer, you don't want to get caught up on this sort of this, on this treadmill that just has you keep, you know, going and going and going and keeps living this 
what am I trying to prove lifestyle? But you want to rein that in a little bit. And you also want to look back a little bit to the generation that's coming up behind you instead of waiting until you're so old and you're so past your point of, of, um, of usefulness because you spent it just trying to prove yourself. So right now I would like yeah. to, I would like to sort of step back and okay, who's 20 years younger than me. Who's coming up that I can actually help that I can mentor while I still yeah. do have like, you know, full strength, full capacity. And, um, you know, yeah. even as some of those aches and pains are starting to come, you know, kind of a thing, but like yeah. no big deal. I'm still all there. So can sure. I preempt some sure, of that? Sure. Can I, can I not get to the place that Stallone was in in Rocky Balboa where his son is saying, Pop, what are you trying to prove? Can I preempt that in mm. sort of a gospel mm. way that says, hey, God gives us times and seasons. How can we redeem those yeah. in sort of a, a wisdom way, right? Yeah. No, I think that's a great note, man. That's a that's a, a really interesting thought to end on. And um, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, m- much like yourself, probably the years that you were in the music industry and for me, like early in writing, like there was just such this like, almost animalistic drive and hunger to produce, to create, to prove. And while at one level I do miss that, like I miss being that person because I think there was a lot of like super compelling energy and vitality in that. You miss the energy for sure. I do. I miss the energy. I I miss the hunger. I miss like deluding myself every time there would be a project (laughs) and I would delude myself into thinking that like – This one was really going to move the needle. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It was going to change my life. And, and the fact of the matter is, and I know you would agree with this, like they all changed our lives. You know what I mean? And some of them changed our lives on the level of like, they just put food on, on the table and, and paid the mortgage for a given time. But, you know, others changed our lives in, in more significant well, and ways. Well, and let me speak to um, that for one second too, is, is that, yeah. you know, I mean, when you're involved in any commercial venture that is being promoted and being marketed... Um, you know, mm-hmm. any, anybody that's done anything that's been, you know, su- massively successful on a commercial level, it all starts out the same, right? It's just a guy at a desk. Yeah. It's a guy in a recording studio. It's, it's just a guy with a, with a glove yeah. and a ball, you know, what, whatever your, whatever your chosen medium is, it all starts out base level and you have no idea yep. if it's like everybody that became successful with whatever particular project they've chosen, they really didn't know it was going to to be that or to do that. And so we all start out the yeah. same with that. So there is a sense that any time you're doing something that is going to be mass marketed and promoted, it it does have the potential to do this crazy thing that you didn't anticipate. But because yeah. the potential's there, yeah. it, it's interesting how that informs the process, right? And that's what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, it totally is. And, and just that that aspect of there being no ceiling. Right, yeah. You know, I, I remember in those days feeling with almost every project like, there's no ceiling, but you know, I think being this age, you've, you know, you've lived 15, 20 years of doing those projects and you realize like, you know, there is a ceiling and this is what it is and and this is what it's going to do. And I don't have any misconceptions and that, that sort of takes away the low lows. You know what I mean? You're, you're not in that Valley of despair as often anymore, which I am super grateful for, but, uh, but I also miss the, the, the super high highs. And, yeah, um, it's fun to uh, it's know, fun I, to dream. You what you do is you dream less because you've been brought down to earth, and I think it's it's a better place yep, to be in yep. because you also understand that God's going to do what He's going to do with any of the things that we are invested in, and um, however however successful or or uh, or or you know unsuccessful He decides to make those things, it really does just come down to what He decides to do, and, and it's it's comforting to actually start believing that. I don't know if you can start believing that until you've been through it and you've you've grown a little and you're a little bit older. Yeah. Right. I agree. Yeah. 
Well, baby, let me let me end with this thought. Um, I hope, and I, I hope that you join me in this. I hope that the Lord calls us back to Toledo for another glamorous publishing trip. Oh, one can of you imagine? One can only dream. One yeah. can only dream. And that, I mean, that's my flesh talking. You know, I think once you've been there, there's a hunger for oh. that town. You know, you, you want to get back. Um, so, baby, Lord willing, one of these days, uh, we will get back to Toledo's. Um, we will go to another Mud Hens game yes. for free. Um, instead of paying the $6 that it would take <laughs> to get into a Mud Hens game, otherwise, we will, we will go for free uh, as befitting of our of our status as media moments mm. uh baby this has been a pleasure yeah, this has been a, a really fun so conversation do it again uh, dude i enjoy these apps man i, I really enjoy these like uh these one-on-one kind of breakdown interview apps these are uh these are a lot of fun we should do it more Absolutes. often and uh yeah we we have wandered to and fro throughout the uh the psyche of ron martin and until next time rachel the held evans The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums, contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose. Have you ever found yourself on the ledge? My name is Billy Yant. I'm a caring father mentor, and friend in my new podcast, Billy and the Goat. I share the life-changing events that shaped who I am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen, God can help you get up and thrive. Listen now at lifeaudio.com.